Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans, and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. I need yeah. one of those. Hey, it's that time of year again. Dr. Marie will be popping in a little bit, but uh, football season, and of course, the fencing response. Yeah, and and it's understandable that people expect the classic one arm out, one arm in fencing response, you know, on guard, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but that's, uh, that, that's not always going to be the case. There's decorticate rigidity as well. And in that case, you don't have an arm extended. You you retract your arms. They, 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 your hands turn inward, and your arms come up, and your feet go straight. Both of them, you you, you go rigid. Um, in the decorticate uh, 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 is is a bit different than having a brain stem. Now, if you have a brain stem on one side, um, you, you'll end up having the extension on one side and the contraction on the other because of the cortex. And that's the fencing. You know, yeah. one, one side brain stem, basically the other side cortical. And if you've got both uh, both extended, uh, that's that's a decorticate rigidity, cerebellar and brain stem. But if, you, if, you, if you're uh, tucked in, um, uh, th- that's... And I've got a little bit of a graphic uh, on that and it's wrong software looks like the same icon but it's not and so um, uh, basically the fencing response extension of one side and and that's decerebrate uh, again upper brain stem midbrain and yeah. the other one is I, I don't think we have the sharing on yet we got Dr. Marie just joining us Good morning. Hello, Dr. Marie. We're 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 going over the fencing response. Okay. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a journalist <laughs> criticize us for our post that we put up a couple of days ago that it wasn't exactly the fencing pose, and Jay is about to uh, show us. Jay, before yeah. you do that, maybe I should show the video to everybody to the class of what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good good idea. So we're all on the same page yeah, as yeah, to what yeah. the behavior looked like. It's too. Oh wait, that's done. It... Done. This two. one got us about 19 million views. It's the uh the uh slapping uh the pro slapping league or whatever. Okay. <laughs> 19 million. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is silliness. Dr. It is Mer- funny. I mean, when it was Bugs Bunny, that was that was one thing, but we're talking about real humans here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? look at this. Now watch his arms. Now, watch his arms. He was doing the blocking yeah. and he got the stinger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and, 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 and his, his hands are curled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now it's over. But uh, at, at the beginning, oh, here, we'll come back. you'll see his arms, his arms come up and they're curved in. The, uh, yeah. This is not an extension as much as a a, a contraction. 
and uh, there's a decerebrate and a decorticate rigidity. Uh, decerebrate uh, on one side and decorticate on the other is one arm in, one arm out. Classic fencing on guard position. Um, so that happens when the upper brain stem, midbrain on one side gets the ding and the other side's cortical. And uh, that, that's a mixed decerebrate decorticate posturing. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody in the media said it's not that classic posture, well, so what? I mean, uh, the, the brain got damaged in, and it was just cortical. Both sides curved in. And I've, I've got a... If I can share screen yeah, no, here, uh, let me share screen. Um, yeah, one versus the other. Decorticate, uh, again, is cortex. Decerebrate uh, is, 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 is not. And uh, what we're going to look at is, is the difference. So uh, extension of one side, that's decerebrate. Again, brainstem, upper uh, uh, brainstem and, and midbrain. And the flexion on the other side, where where you uh, uh, your arm your your hands turn in and your arms come up, uh, not out, and that's a flexion. And that's decorticate. This is a decerebrate posturing. You know, arms are are straight, and um, you might have uh, curled fingers, uh, but you know you're you're basically uh, extended. Uh, this is the de corticate when you lose the cortex the arms uh, come up your hands curl in and this was more of what was happening and yeah. you know it, 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 so it was only one side and not the other uh, for some people and they have a classic posturing of the of fencing but if the person on the field making the decision as to whether you need to go back in or not doesn't understand decerebrate decorticate fencing all of the above you're going to end up sending people back out on the field when they shouldn't have been sent back out on the field that was no stinger that was a decorticate rigidity which is spreading depression now it, it's not depression boo sadness um this is uh, uh back at hewlings jackson uh, he was a neurologist who had epilepsy and migraines and uh, he described the spread across the cortex of a suppression of activity, the glia and neurons suppressing their activity uh, uh, with, my, with migraine and also with trauma and, um, and in epilepsy as well. So uh, uh, the rate of spread, all that was described by, by Hewlings-Jackson. So uh, uh, decorticate rigidity, uh, decerebrate rigidity, both of those have spreading depression associated with them, different spots in the brain, and um, you can see the, the end result is, is posturing. So, you know, it's, uh, um, don't let uh, media judge. <laughs> don't let coaches judge. Don't let people on the sideline judge unless they have a medical background, especially in neurology. It, you know, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the concussion protocol shouldn't have somebody who doesn't understand the neuroscience of it making any kind of a decision as to whether somebody should go back on the field or not. Get the hell out of the way. Let the professional look at things, tell you what's going on tell you whether this patient is okay enough to go back on the field. Was this just a stinger on a shoulder? 
um, you know, it, it, but if if the person has been posturing, it doesn't have to be classical yeah. fencing. It could be decorticate or a decerebrate, um, and and those are bilateral. So, you know, media expert, put a cork in it. Yeah, that's all okay. I can say. Let me uh, here. I'm going to share share back. Okay, because. Look, what we're trying to do is number one, you, you, you hit, like you say, you have the media trying to make a call what happens, okay? And they they bring out a stinger, okay? A stinger, I know what a stinger is. That's when you get the pinched nerve in the side of your neck and you got the burning sensation and you don't posture. It's like you go numb. You can't feel it, okay? Yeah. So, so, so even I, my, my, uh, background is these podcasts. I know that when I see the hands go like that, that's not good. You're not going back in the game till we get a scan and yeah. see what's going on. What I wanted to do was show you Tua Tavagliola, the, the NFL quarterback from Miami, uh, because that's how this all got going, because that's where the fingers uh, went in. Jay, can, can I show yeah. that for one yeah. second? Okay. Sure, sure, sure. And then you, you, you guys can take over. And I know Mar Mari's got – Mars yeah, Mars loaded for short, bear on yeah. this one as well. So you gotta yeah, gotta yeah, cut I'll, her loose too. Let's go through okay. this one and then uh Okay. Should I, I jump understand. in? Go ahead. This may be inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, what I wanted to kind of do is, is is place this in the bigger picture of society and culture um and the value of of persons. Um, and I think, you know, we went through this with the Industrial Revolution in terms of, you know, unions where, you know, people went to work and essentially you might not get home from work. You know, the work conditions, you know, our coaches like the, you know, the floor whippers, et cetera. So, I mean, that's one kind of component. And I'm really wanting to launch the debate. Do um, do professional athletes, you know, essentially need unions and protection at this point? Because whether it's the media or, you know, bless the fans, <clears throat> but the fans, again, you know, this is all about enthusiasm for the game. Um, <clears throat> sure, they admire the players, but who is out there actually protecting the persons? Um, no, I'm not against professional sports. I don't I don't want anybody to go down that road. In fact, I have worked with MMA players, you know, cage fighters, I call them. I've also worked on the other side, you know, with um, uh, Internet uh, gamers. And boy, oh, boy, do we get major brain deregulation, you know, one from process exposure and the other from brain damage. But these are adults and they come uh, they're very clear uh, that they want to be top of their game. They're very, very clear about the risk and the damage. Um, and, you know, they they come for help to mitigate the, the damage. Uh, they come to help uh, for help with sleep. They come for help with stress tolerance. Um, you know, all, all the things that elite athletes come for, plus the mitigation of the brain damage or the brain deregulation that they are 100% aware of and consenting to, 
Okay. Um, so if, if we want to reframe this, you know, good old American gladiators, if you are a, a mature male and you want to play the game where literally you are going against the sword. Okay. Um, you know, and you know, in this game that your brain could get killed. I mean, you, that, that is, you're crashing into each other. We all think it's about the ball, but you know, it's really about the persons. Um, the NFL has one of the biggest player unions that, that, that are out there. I mean, we're talking multi-million dollars. And what are they doing? Uh, the, the, these money. men should not be sent that they are not protecting the players as far as I can see. I mean, show me some evidence um, that these players are being protected or i mean or forget about it you know and that's what i say it's the gladiator model okay you sign up for this you're going to be a billionaire you're going to be a star and you're going to die young and you're going to get hurt yes no right and but I, I i really hate the um uh the the, the um the, the duplicity the the contradiction here and if i could just finish off my diatribe yeah. <laughs> we can get in but my major major concern is the children OK, because when do these athletes start training? Typically, young male athletes in, um, you know, um, physical uh, sports or I'm going to even play with combat sports. You know, they get serious between nine and 11. OK, whose choice is this? Who's consenting to this? And if we really, really want to have some fun here, is this a form of child abuse? You know what? What? What other, um, you know, dimension of, you know, uh, sorry, I'm so enthusiastic about this, I'm losing my words, but I mean, we have seatbelts in cars, we have um, all kinds of regulations within playgrounds, etc., except for uh, training and sports. And I think we really, really need to look at this and again, get bodies in there. Okay, you wanna train for the sport, A, B, C, D, these are the rules until this age. And then when you're 18 or 19, then you can consent to be a gladiator. And then we bring out the swords. Um, yeah, so I have issues with minimization of actual brain injury, the terminology. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the field of entertainment, uh, versus the field of medicine. Um, and I'm hundred percent with Jay that nobody should be commenting on this except people yeah. with knowledge. Um, I agree that piece. a union, a union is a very good idea to help players have a mass uh, voice, but mm -hmm. I don't think a player deserves to be the one to decide to go back in the game either because they want to go back in the game. Yeah. Even, yeah. you know, well, it's the Monty Python, you know, deal, the chop yeah. of one arm off. Okay, I'm still ready. The other arm, both legs, you know, come on, bring it on. You that's know? the nature, so, the personality, the brain drive yeah. of the athlete. Exactly. So that's why you need people to protect. Yeah people. Uh, and again, we all have our limitations of, of, of knowledge. I mean, when something happens to me, sure, I'm an intelligent woman, I'm fairly educated, but there's some knowledge that I just don't have. Uh, and I go to other professionals to medically counsel me, protect me, etc. So yeah, again, who, who, 
why is there a doctor on the field? Okay. Is that doctor to assess whether this player can go back in to advance the game or is that doctor there to assess the damage of this person? So it's the value of the person versus the value of the game. Um, and I think, um, yeah, you know, when you have, um, uh, lawyers there there's one for each side you know um I, I don't think it should get to that i think we should start to have regulations and agreements um but yeah um i'm on a roll my last little one that i know i've uh, spoken about before and i think it bears repeating is our stereotype of the athlete you know from 1920s up to 1970s is the the big galoot the stupid guy okay they're not stupid they're brain injured right so these young men that were having lots of trouble in in, in high school i think there was a lot of brain injury already there um and i think uh, i think we need to respect people luckily pete just got stingers <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, you, you do get carried off with that because you can't move, you know. Yeah. Um, so that would happen quite a bit. That's why you saw in the '80s those big neck rolls to, you know, to really have your uh, helmet straight. But yes. that's just, you know, like being in a NASCAR with more more protection. The car's flipping. You're getting you're getting whacked no matter what. Jay, the fingers curling here. I'll stop sharing with Tua you, here. You'll also see some extension fingers um, as you as you watch at, uh, in it too. Here, so he whacks his head on the side. Now he's rolling over. So that same uh, media guy that's criticizing us, he say that. Well, that's not a fencing response. <laughs> okay. You know, you know okay. what I mean. The it's, media uh, guy. Should be in the media, not necessarily. Yeah, that's my point. I don't think we should be responding to a media guy. If we get a medical doctor who wants to get into a wonderful debate based yeah. on a scope of practice and discipline, I'm all for it. I assume Jay is as well. Well, you had a Michigan State yeah. kid get hit like that, and he was put back in the game in the same half. So, yeah, it, it's still happening. There, there's a big push to get. I mean, the, the player wants to get back on the field. The team wants him back on the field. The coaches want him back on the field. And unless he has a very strong advocate that's looking at them medically, they're not going to be well served. They'll be put back on the field when they shouldn't be there. In brain trauma, let, let's say it's just a, that it's not a severe one like decorticate rigidity, uh, decerebrate rigidity, uh, but they, they just get a concussion. Just a concussion. Just a concussion. Well, right. yeah, if it's just a concussion. Well, a concussion is essentially, you know, if you, if you got slugged in the shoulder, your shoulder, shoulder swells up a little bit. Well, your brain gets whacked. It swells up, but there's no way to swell out. It compresses. And the blood vessels in it, the small blood vessels in it, will be compressed. Some won't have enough diameter to have adequate flow to get enough oxygen and glucose to the surface. And those cortical areas will be starved. If you make them work hard, the hypoxia that you're going to create will create um, cell death. 
And now, if you didn't put them back out in the field and you let them rest appropriately, the, the vasculature can heal over time with some gentle therapy. But if you put them back out in the field and you put 100% demand back on it, you can create cell death. It's just as bad as it sounds. You know, the, the, uh, you know hypoxia, glutamate cascade, cell death. And what about that sounds like the right move? You know, that uh, putting a player back on the field too early uh, without having healed from the concussion, much less a decerebrate or decorticate rigidity, which is a major blow, not just as a concussion on some cortical location, but deep in the brain, uh, uh, brainstem, upper brainstem, and cortex. So uh, let, let's let the experts, not the media, right. comment on whether this is a serious blow. It, you know, if if it's the wrong word, the media guy can correct me, you know, we make unless it simple, it's a medical you know, for, word, in which case maybe they should zip it. Can we make it simple? After a hit, like a head-to-head hit, okay, ground or whatever, if you see the hands doing anything like that, you're not going back into the game. That's it. Yeah. Simple rule, right? Is that is that yeah. too harsh, Jay? Uh, it's not too harsh, and there should be a medical professional making the determination because, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh, he was he was waving at his mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he wasn't. Uh, they, have, you know, they, he, they have instant replay. They have so yeah. many cameras to look at instant replay, and I believe they have coaches and medical professionals the NFL has supposedly that watch these hits. If that's what they're doing to determine if it's a serious hit or not, it should be a standard that if the hands, the rigidity, what, whatever you call it, Jay, if that is yeah. witnessed. If it curls it, in or if it goes out, uh, you, you've, you've got hey, I mean, yourself a problem. In so many other sports now, you do instant replay, you know, five, ten times. They'll pause the game. Within a game, ten or yeah. five minutes is a huge amount of time. They'll pause that to see whether a goal is valid. Why can't we pause to that degree to ensure that a person will not have cell death, <laughs> right? right. Um, yeah. You know, and and yeah, it should be the medical pro- professionals just going over that. But again, yeah. it's the big cultural issue. If if we want to say, okay, these guys are signing up, death on the field, uh, cell death is part of the job, um, you know, pay them some some more money, okay. But I I just don't like this, um, you know, pulling the hood over people's eyes, calling, you know, extreme brain injury something else. That's my key yeah. issue here. We need transparency. Yeah. You know, some people will dismiss cell death as well. Um, l- let's say you go to an evening lecture and it's a dinner lecture and you've got wine and uh, food in front of you and you drink a couple glasses of wine with your dinner and you're listening to the person blab on about whatever they're blabbing on about. You know, you've lost lots of brain cells from that alcohol consumption. Lots of them. But if you've paid attention to the lecture, you've grown new connections. And you've overcome the loss of some of those brain cells by growing new connections. So, you know, cell death is awful because you don't get them back. But there are ways to end up fostering you know, new connections. So there's therapeutic intervention if somebody's had an injury on the field uh, to try to 
put their brain back together and make enough connections so they maintain you know functionality um uh, but you know uh, cell death is awful uh, but there we do it to ourselves a lot in the first place yeah um, I, I, I really don't want to confuse you know some you know lifestyle things or, or light or heavy light i mean we're not talking about extreme alcoholism here that's a totally different thing but i i, I really would like to i mean in our community we talk about cell death we know that this is part of natural processes like skin cells um shed as well you know our, our our hair falls out in various cycles all of these things are very very normal and of course there yeah there are many things that we can do to accelerate that process or decelerate so that's your glass of wine but i really really don't want to feed uh, or or compare normal cycles within uh, humans and lifestyle choices and how they influence that with what's going on here. Yeah. Okay. This, you know, this is, yeah, let, let's pick another word. You know, the process is cell death, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, 10% of your brain, <laughs> this whole region just goes like, how can we put this in a, in a, um, yeah lay people's term to to understand i mean obviously for our population we can use some of the um the um, medical yeah, after era. you've damaged an area in the brain uh the cells that die in there uh you've lost some density that's called encephalomalacia a softness and uh, in in the brain and there's there's three kinds of encephalomalacia based on the color now, the only way you see the color is if you actually take the top off and look. So as you don't see it in a scan, uh, but you can see it if you're the neurosurgeon and I, you actually look. There's white encephalomalacia where something blocked the flow and the, the, there's no blood getting to that area. So the color is essentially white. There's red, which means it blocked. You lost cells, but now it's revascularized. That's red because there's not much cell density and you get a lot of red there and there's also yellow and that the the softness of the cortex is due to atherosclerotic plaque buildup uh, you you've junked up the brain in that area enough to have it go soft so you know, for the, our general audience in the media criticizing us okay um could we just essentially describe this as absolute simplicity that you get mushy holes in the brain is that a good way to say it so people understand uh, I, I think the lay level understanding would be that you get the soft and mushy spot yeah thank and, you and so when you and get your, a hit your like neurosurgeon is the only one who's going to know about the color so don't worry about matching well, I'm not worried it about that. i said but you have kind you know, of two so. levels of folks um um yeah. uh, listening to us and of course the people who practice along with us we you know we 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 want to share at the um uh, the higher level, but I think, yeah, you get mushy holes in the brain. So if you get, you get swelling, Jay, and then you have to wait for the swelling to go down, you do an EEG to look at the dam. Well, like, what do you do post? Unfortunately, this yeah, kid and, and, has and, to go back to class. And hyperbaric helps because the compressed blood vessels don't get oxygen downstream efficiently, and hyperbaric will end up helping you recover from the trauma on, on, on the short run. That must be the uh, media. Politicians. <laughs> uh, so that, 
It's now, that time of year, you know. Why don't they get head, head injuries? All they already have. <laughs> <laughs> A job requirement. Huh? So, you know, I, and, and it's not just football. Um, yeah. I mean, swimming, uh, it's unless you're a backstroker, you don't normally hit your head, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, and and uh, you might hit your finger against the wall. I mean, there are some sports that are inherently a little less problematic, but there are very few sports that don't have a risk. Wrestling, uh, obviously a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basketball, I mean, that, you know, nobody's like whacking you in the head. Well, sometimes, but uh, that, you know, so somebody go, goes off and goes nuts and swings at somebody. But, you know, there you can fall to the ground and hit your head, and that, that's enough to take you out in the same way as a blow to the head in football. And you don't have a helmet. Um, you know, uh, people are pretty good at knowing how to fall. Uh, you know, if you're been an athlete for a long enough time, you can spin around to kind of catch yourself and roll with it, but um, not every time. Yeah, there's so, so much. I don't know. I don't know of a sport where you don't have a risk. Uh, yeah. Soccer headers, hockey. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Ho- uh, hockey and soccer. But I think um, I'd like to interject that there are a lot of sports that have calculated risk, right? Um, and of course, there's a certain percentage of things that you can't control. Um, but there's something very special, shall we say, about uh, football, uh, North American football, and um, and hockey. And the other one is bobsledding, right? Yeah, where we just <laughs> shake the brain all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, bam, bam, again, bam, I'm bam, not, bam. I'm not for yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, adult shaken baby syndrome. Um, y- yeah, I mean, we we want to be able to play, we want to be able to enjoy ourselves, but we just have so so many inherent contradictions. I mean, if we go back to kids, you want risky play. It teaches respect for danger. It teaches boundaries, etc. Uh, but then when we get into professional play what should the boundaries be and who should be deciding them? I think that's what this all comes down to. I'll leave you one zinger, Dr. Marie, before you got to split. You ever hear of pudding caps? Pudding caps? Yes, pudding caps. All right, good. Put it down, write it down. In the ancient ancient times, the toddlers going around, they would have this protective cap on to protect their heads from falling down in their formative years. Jay, you've heard of that. You, yeah. <laughs> that I'm it? old enough to probably have had to have one on <laughs> me even, you know. Um, and, and, you know, we are born with twice as many brain cells as we end up with as a teenager. We, yeah. we prune uh, 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 nerves, neurons, and connections. The ones you use get fostered. The ones you don't use... You, they you lose them if you don't use it you lose it yeah. and but it's if you fire it's together you wire together <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. just saying dr murray and, why what why shouldn't toddlers wear helmets never i mean that's the most absurd if, if you really want to create a child that's going to injure themselves over protect them right um, you know, I'm not a big fan of floaty devices for kids learning how to swim. You know, they get way too confident in the deep end and you take off those floaty things or they just take a big leap when a an adult who can swim isn't around and you have trouble. No, you want systematic exposure to risky 
play, whether it's with scissors or uh, walking on stones or these type of things. But obviously in the early years with, with um, uh, parents or guardians or slightly older children around who help them learn the boundaries. You know, I'm, I'm not for putting, <laughs> you know, keeping the training wheels of life on uh, anything, but I mean, you have to read my book there, Pete, because I go into extensive detail on that. Um, that we we don't have respect for danger because we haven't been exposed to it enough. But back to the sports, this is another level of danger. And my my issue is who's consenting to it, okay? And who's making the choices and why are they making the choices? Money. <laughs> money makes the money. world go round. Uh, so be it. So I've... be it. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of damage and I've earned every bit of it, you know. (laughs) Dr. Marie, I know you got to split. Go anytime. I'm just going to keep keep going with Jay. Jay, there. Okay. All righty. Take care. All righty. Bye bye. Good to see you again. Jay, there's so many data points that we can have out there now. They have sensors that measure G forces in the helmets. You have the athletes wearing these sensors on their chest so they can check their speed. Do you think there's some type of number that the head should experience as far as G forces to concussions that I don't think they're sharing all these numbers because I don't think they want to, but wouldn't it make sense to track how many collisions the head has collected? Yeah. And, and you realize that now they see CTE not with just the major hits. You don't have to go posturing on the field to end up with CTE. This is continuous whacking. Uh, the, the lineman gets hit upside the head pretty much every play. Now, none of those are major concussions, but there's you know brain trauma. And the older you are, the more... Uh, atrophy your brain has had, the more it flops around when you end up getting hit with things. So uh, the, you, you'll see uh, young players uh, recover from uh, hits fairly well and older players end up suffering more damage. Um, uh, when we're uh, putting cap age, our brains are all puffy. There's no space in there when yeah. we whack. Uh, some of the neurons that got whacked are the ones you would have been losing anyway. So if we, if we didn't have a brain that could recover from trauma, the birth canal would have all of us being epileptic, you know? So, you know, our head gets squeezed as we're born. Yeah. If it's a, a our, our cortex shape. gets, our, our torque cortex gets squeezed but the but the neurons and the connections aren't there yet to end up being damaged in the way they would be if you were full more fully developed so you know uh, l- luckily uh, however the design of us came about um our early years we have more protective um uh, uh, capacity and by my age just touch me and i bruise you know so uh you know i <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I've got a new dog and, and, uh, uh, without, uh, trying at all, if he jumps up and just touches me with a a claw, uh, I I got bruises on my arms. It's not, uh, um, and, and this, the same thing, if somebody were to grab me, I'd end up with a handprint, you know? So I, but I've been on steroids for 32 years. So, you know, 
no my, swelling. My skin is in, my skin looks like a ninety-five year old. You know, I'm seventy-four. So, Jay, what I'd like to do is I just want to run some of our videos that we've had on the fencing response because I'm sure we're gonna it's going to happen again, whether it's college or pro or 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 uh, yeah. even high school. I just want yeah. to you to just give comment on what what you're seeing and because there's different types. Okay. Uh, we'll start with Alante before, Brown. Before yeah. before we see them, yeah. what, if you see both extended, uh, that 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 is a uh, that's again a, a decorticate rigid, uh, uh, excuse me, decerebrate rigidity. If you see both curled, that's decorticate. If you see one out, one in, that's the fencing response. So yeah. uh, um, when we when we look at the hands, uh, look to see contraction extension as lateral or unilateral and and that'll classify things for you all right let, let's start with the power slap league here our, our favorite um deliberate stupidity epitomized i know oh, but my it's goodness. 19 million people can't be wrong can they yeah Just, yeah yeah let us know what's going on and one what, extended, one contracted. Okay. Le his his left hand has got fingers out. His right hand is clenched up. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that's the the power slap. Let let us yeah. move over to and 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 the fact that one side got it and one didn't. The cortex on one side and the brain stem on the other. And uh, okay. Here here is uh here's hockey for us. Yeah, both both extended. Okay, got it. Okay, here's, and here's you can't see the hands in a hockey glove. You know? Yeah, I, I, no, I know, I know. You, but you, you got both arms out and uh, extended, not contracted in. Yeah, here's the most famous one, Tua. With people are freaking out about these fingers. What's going on? Uh, uh, again, uh, the extension. Uh, is is the um, the the uh, uh, cerebrate decorticate yeah. rigidity yeah. get him tucked in, and he was sent back in the game. Okay, yeah, and and it didn't do rugby. Him any, it didn't do him any favors. Yeah, rugby is de definitely got a, a whack in the head sort of a thing going on in rugby, and. It's hard to see over. for sure. Look like both looked looked at first like both went up, but yeah. uh, there's arms. It, it, we saw ha hands contracted. Yeah, they went up and then in. Okay, and then most recently, uh, let's see. This was just this past weekend. Yeah. Um, and they're both contracted. He's not extending out. They're contracted. And if now they said, finger, you they said, oh, yeah, it's such a good sign he's got his leg moving. Well, that's just, be yeah, that's a good yeah. sign that his spinal cord is intact in, at in, least. In but, yeah. but the, you know, the, yeah, ha having a, a, a twitchy leg afterwards, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, it, he didn't sever his spine. That's That's always a good thing, but. I don't know that that's such a good uh, sign for recovery other than just that he didn't end up with a spinal. 
I I just don't I don't care what it what what can a doctor on the sideline, you know, tell without getting you know the 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 uh, fmri yeah. you know you know well in in a major uh, uh area they usually have a small scanner actually available uh, that you it, it's not unusual to have uh in the stadium uh scanning devices so that they could actually get a quick image but don't you get swelling from that or or maybe you don't, and that's they scanned it and they let them go back in. But that's to to, to get that rigidity yeah. to me. That's the, the line you just got to say no mas. Yeah, and, and the the swelling is not as easy to see in an MRI as a bleed, and a bleed yeah. is really the thing that they're worried worried about because that can be fatal, and you don't want to lose a player like that. Um, and if there's a bleed, there's ways to handle it. You know you. I dose is a steroid, uh, drilling holes to relieve the pressure, and there, you know, there's ways to handle uh, 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 subdurals, epidurals. You've got to be in there so fast; it's hard to, it's hard to catch everybody with an epidural. That uh, you can go within minutes to hours, uh, and and be, be passed. And I didn't even bring up like Junior Seau, the players that had bad TBI and they committed suicide. What's what's going on there? Because they know the end is coming and they just don't want to deal with it. Or it's hard to put yourself in that guy's shoes. But you know, Robin Williams didn't have TBI. Uh, he he had what people thought was Parkinson's disease, but uh, it, it ended up being a, a different form of dementia, Lewy body. Yeah. Lewy body looks like uh, Parkinsonism, but it comes and goes. And when it comes and you've lost your you know, uh, uh, motor function quite a bit, but that comes back. What happens is that Lewy body also has hallucinations associated with it and, and mental decline. That's pretty major. Mm-hmm. And if you realize that you've got a progressive dementia where you're going to be stiff and rigid, I, you can live with that a lot better than a, a dementia where you're going to be crazy and hallucinating. And since it comes and goes and comes and goes and it's progressive, um, you kind of realize, oh, I recovered for a while. Hmm. Do I want to be that way again? You know, and th- there's there are recurring things in 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 medicine where uh, suicidality is is not uncommon. Um, cluster headaches, uh, as an example, uh, they sometimes were called a suicide headache. Um, uh, so it, you know, if you see something. Uh, where the end is is known and nasty, uh, quite often people will choose not to continue. Yeah. Now, I, I I think Canada just opened it up for people that um, uh, had uh, progressive things but weren't anywhere close to the end to be able to choose suicide. And um, you know, the uh, in Switzerland they have a little uh, kind of a uh, a little booth you can climb in and close up and there's a, a little suicide chamber uh, that, that you can get if you're going to do suicide. But, uh, uh, um, you know, the uh, players do it lots of different ways. So, 
Uh, well, we haven't even talked about that brain bank in Boston. We're collecting all the uh, brains that, uh, you know, from the yeah. football players that have passed, they turn it in there. And where are they going to find more data? You can see the data. The guy's laying on the field with his arms like that. You're going to have issues. Yeah, and and the CTE, is they're, they're seeing, again, in people that haven't necessarily had the, the gigantic quacks, but small, continuous uh, – uh, uh, minor uh, uh, hits. Uh, yeah. They're not minor. Uh, uh, a, a small concussion is still a concussion. Yeah. And uh, it may not be uh, posturing, but a concussion is a concussion. And uh, ischemia is ischemia. Post traumatic ischemia happens with concussions. And if you don't heal from that, uh, and you put yourself back on the field, some cell death is going to happen. And that's going to be contributing to CTE. Yeah. Well, for moms and dads, we'll sum it up. The NFL season starting to uh, uh, tonight of, as of this recording, and hopefully we don't see any more of these things. To, to me, the untrained eye, the podcaster, the editor, the guy just looking at this once a week, I, there's just so much evidence here that we, people can take control to get – to to lessen the occurrence of these events, and I think money's standing in the way is my my opinion, Jay. But for the parents out there, when you see your kid taking a dinger, they all add up. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to quantify what too much is. We don't know. I think you can with the sensors in there. But if you see your kid or any kid going like that, and they put them back in the game, yeah, I'll get them out of the game, Jay. What do you say? Yeah. In fact, if your kid is laying on the ground with posturing, uh, yeah. both in, both out, one in, one out, either any of those combinations, you should get them off the field uh, and to a medical professional to be evaluated. That's independent from. Yeah, this... you don't have to wait for the coach. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the coach's desire is to have the player back on the field. Now, they may want them back on the field healthy, but they're not the one to be able to decide that. Right. And their desire to have them back on the field is going to overwhelm their medical knowledge, and they're going to end up putting people back in and, unless they have somebody that can overrule them. And concussion protocol supposedly can overrule. Now, obviously, you know, uh, you see, you see, yeah, uh, people posturing and uh, oh, it's a stinger. Put it back in, you know. Um, uh, it, the concussion protocol still has a long way to go before it, it has enough power to be able to stop the game briefly, evaluate the the player and the footage, and uh, and allow it to proceed. Pull them from the game probably and, and watch it in a booth, but, but you know, let the game uh, go on. But you've You've got to be able to evaluate in a more detailed way than than uh, somebody on the sidelines saying it was a stinger, you know. <laughs> uh, well, Jake Uncleman, thanks. Uh, good luck on your favorite team. I'm guessing the 49ers, or maybe it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know, or the Montana State NDSU Bison. Bison, <laughs> go Bison. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and, uh, my my consult partner here is uh, yeah. uh, Rhodesian uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback, uh, brand new pup. So.
Hey. Woof, woof. Anyway, <laughs> enjoy your day. All right, and, Jerry. Uh, take care. Uh, uh, don't, don't hit your head, okay? Yeah, I, yeah, I need a pudding cap. Bye. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. 